We've all heard it before. It's who you know. Welcome to Social Capital, a weekly podcast that dives into social relationships and why the investment you put into them is so important. Your host, Lori Hyben, will connect with industry-leading professionals and dive into their networking experiences and expert advice. Hey, everybody. Lori Hybe here. Welcome to the Social Capital Podcast. Our show notes are found at socialcapitalpodcast.com. If you'd like to get more involved in the conversation, check out our Facebook group at Social Capital Network, a community of trust, reciprocity, and relationships. Social Capital Podcast is sponsored by Keystone Click, a strategic digital marketing agency hosting bi-weekly educational webinars. You can check out more at keystoneclick.com forward slash webinars. If you haven't already, definitely reach out and connect with me on LinkedIn. I love connecting with my listeners and hearing more about the types of interviews that you would like to see on this show. Today's guest is Dave Stamm. Having started his first business in fourth grade programming Bolton Board Systems, working for Apple Computers as a college freshman, and then founding a computer networking services company employing college classmates while in college, Dave Stamm has been has always been passionate about implementing technology and serving people. Dave is currently the CEO of two technology companies, Stamm Technologies and Stamm Media, and a partner in No Small Magic. Dave, welcome to the show. Hi, Lori. Thanks for having me today. Excited to have you here as well. Can you just tell us a little bit about these three different companies that you have? Of course. So the first company that I started in college was Stam Technologies, and we provide outsourced IT services to small to medium-sized companies in Metro Milwaukee and Chicagoland areas. And then um, we later um, started Stam Media as an offshoot. It was a it was a, a client that we had been working with for years uh, in the IT company, and that is Stam Media, and we provide technology services and equipment to large trade shows and corporate events throughout the country. So we rent audiovisual and IT equipment uh, to mostly Fortune 500 companies. And then we provide the labor and services to set that stuff up at their various events. So that's the event company. And then the third company, No Small Magic, we started about five years ago. And that is an interactive studio providing cu- primarily custom boutique software written for these corporate event clients that we've got throughout the country. Um, And then No Small Magic, during the pandemic, we wrote a virtual networking platform called Showboat, which has been um, our big focus over the last year. Can you tell us a little bit about your background as it relates to networking and technology? You bet. So uh, both are passions for me. I started out, I was, a, I was the geek in grade school that uh, taught my, which is, this is before, you know, being a geek and programming was cool, right? This is in the, mm-hmm. in the 80s. I started out programming in grade school and uh, kind of self-taught, but, but was smart enough, um, you know, my dad was a salesman, so I was smart enough to realize that uh, at that time, again, being a geek wasn't cool, so you had to kind of keep a lid on it. Um, while it was fun to do, you also had to be social and network, right? Which is really kind of the function of, of, of early selling. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as I, uh, my first job was when I was 14, I started as a subway sandwich artist at the new Berlin subway. And, um, actually that was my, um, it, it ended up being that the couple that owned that subway, 
um, owned another business, which was an event, audiovisual event company that served big companies nationwide. And so um, I started working with them when I was young and really they taught me the ropes. Um, and as I grew, having that, that networking background and being able to be connected to them and their network um, and just you know working hard and networking with people from when I was young really paid off for me. Um, and it's a good, one of the big reasons that we are where we are right now uh, with, with the three companies. Yeah, that's great. I love that you've got, you've got some nice mentors, it seems like, that really brought you to where you are today. So let's, let's go a little bit deeper into that. How is technology enabling networking today and what could be better? Well, that's a great question. Uh, you know, I think over the last year, as the pandemic happened, we've seen a lot of, you know, we all gravitated, it, they all, the platforms existed prior to the pandemic, right? We had Zoom and we had Teams and sure they've added some features, but for the most part, those platforms existed prior to the pandemic. And um, now we're all using them uh, in our daily lives, right? Whether it's for work and you're on multiple Zoom meetings in a day, or it's uh, kids doing virtual school or get togethers or virtual birthday parties or what have you. Um, we're all living in these new technologies and they're second nature. And because of the event business we had, we, which we serve a lot of clients nationwide, we were using these tools prior, but for the most part, we were only ever using audio. Everybody would get into a Zoom meeting and shut off their video. And so now what's been fun is, is just the way people are using it, right? It's the authenticity of being able to use these tools. If your kids are running past or your dogs or your cats are in the, in the shot, nobody cares. You know, people have a, um, they're not, you know, dressing up. They're just kind of authentic. They're themselves in doing whatever they need to do using these tools. And so um, we realized with No Small Magic, one of the things we realized when the pandemic happened is that we couldn't find a platform aside from Zoom or Teams that really handled networking well, right? Mm -hmm. Like sure, you can jump into a virtual happy hour in Zoom or Teams, um, but it's all in 2D. You all see yourself in that Brady bunch of you. Mm -hmm. And there was no real way to, um, there was not a, we felt like there wasn't really a great way to have good networking events. And that's why we ended up creating Showboat, which is a 3D environment where you can walk around, but you still have the audio and video that you're used to in Zoom or Teams. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. I've participated in a couple events on Showboat and it is pretty cool. Uh, to it, It's trying to emulate actually being in a networking event as much as possible. Very nice. So how can businesses better leverage what we see as meeting and networking technologies to better serve existing and reach new customers? Yeah, it's a great question. I think that, um, you know, what we're seeing right now is as the world reopens, everybody's trying to figure out, are they coming back to the office? Are they staying remote? Are they going to be permanently hybrid? And if so, how does that work? And, you know, there's pros and cons to any of those three scenarios. And so it's, it's kind of figuring out what your own company strategy is, right? If, if you go purely hybrid, then, you know, from what we're hearing from clients is, you know, people come into the office on some days and then they expect that they're going to come in and see their coworkers and maybe have a pickup meeting in the hallway or, um, or whatnot. And then they realize the people they want to see aren't there because they're at home. And so it's kind of figuring, navigating this new world. And so we're seeing, you know, being able to use these technologies to improve that and blending the the face-to-face -face, um, in with the virtual and how can people kind of have that office co-presence 
between virtual and face-to-face -face using the technologies that are out there. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that it's, um, there's a lot of opportunity to, to maximize that. And this is an interesting challenge that's being faced by a number of companies. I, mean, I know my husband, uh, his company decided to give each team member the option to come back to the office or be permanent at home. Um, and he opted to be permanent at home, uh, which I think is really interesting, even though his, his company is out of Milwaukee. Um, but uh, yeah, they've been using Teams for quite some time now, and it, it works for him at least, but everyone's got a different working environment that suits them well. But it's interesting to try to find you know, what, what appeases the masses. Yes, and, it, and it, what we found is exactly what you're saying. In our three companies, we have different scenarios for the three. Mm -hmm. So for the IT company, we are often on site at our clients. So everybody, you know, people could work from home when they're not a client site, but we do a lot of on-site work. So we have mm -hmm. to be able to do that. So we can give people more flexibility than maybe they had prior to the pandemic, but we still need them to be able to go on site frequently or mostly daily. And on the event company, um, we've all, for the most part, returned back to the office. And I think we, we basically gave everybody the choice to see kind of what they wanted to do. And everybody gravitated back. I just think they missed working together. And we have so many conversations in the hallways um, that we get things done that we, we wanted to have that. And we have a warehouse and we have a studio and all these pieces plan as we're talking to a client on any given day, we might go to the warehouse and grab some equipment and do a little experiment and test something out. So working remote, would, we would lose that and or we'd have to drive in when that would come up or we'd have to have some of the staff in and not others. So we've all just kind of gravitated to coming back and it wasn't really a formal thing that we dictated, you need to come back. It was more of a, hey, some of us are here and join us when you feel comfortable and everybody gravitated back. And then on No Small Magic, we actually went the other direction. Um, that's a, you know, it's a software development company. And we, we, th we said, well, you know, we, the majority of the team was in Milwaukee in, in our office before. We've now moved that company entirely virtual. And um, we've actually rented out that office space to another group of, in our space. And so uh, they're permanently remote and we've been able to hire people out of state who are excellent. We actually hired somebody um, over the last year who was in Hawaii and in other states. So mm -hmm. it's been great to have the flexibility. And I think what the pandemic taught us was that, you know, people always thought working at working remote would be amazing, right? If I could work remote and then everybody got to work remote. And I think some people kind of wanted to come back and realize they missed the office. Yeah. And the other side of the coin, I think companies always thought, you know, I need my team in the office to really get things done. I don't know if I can trust people who are working. I'm not sure they're going to, you know, have the right conversations and be structured. And, and what the pandemic taught the companies were, was that for the most part, work could be remote and actually get done and get done well. So I, I think that we're going to see more flexibility from both sides. Totally. 100% agree with that. Um, yeah, this is a really good time to pause for a quick commercial from our sponsor. Social Capital is sponsored by Keystone Click. Located in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Keystone Click is a strategic digital marketing agency focused on helping their clients generate and nurture opportunities online. For Social Capital listeners, they've created an awesome Guide to Profits booklet featuring 42 tips on how to build brand awareness, generate leads, and nurture those opportunities online. Visit keystoneclick.com backslash profits to download your own guide today.
Dave, to some people, networking is a word that really invokes fear, hesitation, uncertainty. And my goal with this show is to really alleviate that. And I'm hoping that you can help me do that by sharing with our listeners one of your most successful or favorite networking stories. Oh, sure. So networking um, for me has been huge. Uh, the quick broad brush for me is a lot of the contacts that I made when I was really young, 14 to 18, are a lot of the reason that I'm here where I am today. And I had no idea at that time that that would matter. Right. But I, you know, just growing up, you just were taught to treat people well and, and not realizing that it could come back, you know, a decade plus later and benefit you um, and not doing it for that reason. Right. It's just being, being kind and genuine and um, taking care of people and doing what you can to help them as they, as people, you know, reciprocate that. Mm -hmm. So a lot of those lessons I learned when I was younger, um, that have kind of come through. And then even when I was starting the IT company, um, a lot of the clients were built up on networking. It was, uh, I joined the MMAC in Milwaukee, which is the business chamber of commerce and got in there and kept going to meetings and meeting people. And, uh, you know, at, at first it was, it was different. It was like kind of like stepping out of your, you know, your comfort zone and going to networking events that they had and held and meeting people and starting to work with them and landing a client or two. And then leveraging the client network to get other clients. And I, I you know, I, I honestly think that the majority of the reason we have the clients we do on and have the three businesses is all related to big, like big networking and small networking. And what I mean by that is it's, it's, you know, a, a company, uh, when I met somebody that was running a business when I was 19 and, and them approaching me in my thirties and asking me, you know, if I would acquire them and we did and, and helped kind of grow the business. Um, to the small, when I say small networking, it's the little interactions that you have in collisions that you have at some of these local networking events that you never realize will become a client and potentially your best client that you've ever had um, over time. And it's, it's so interesting to me if I look back at my 25 years in business and so much of what I have is from that networking piece. So I, I mean, I literally wouldn't have, um, you know, of the three companies, I probably wouldn't have two of them if it wasn't for, for big networking that I was doing when I was young and having, having no idea that that would pay off later. Um, and, sure. and we wouldn't have an, the number of the clients we have if it wasn't for going to and, and still just going to the networking events locally and supporting the local networks and, and being a part of those teams. Absolutely. Definitely agree with that. So how do you stay in front of and best nurture your network? Well, it's a good, that's a great question. Um, I think for me as as owning companies, it's evolved over time, but realizing that honestly, where it started still makes sense. So for me, some of my specifics were, I think, um, again, back to MMAC, which has been phenomenal for us as an organization. You know, when I, when I was there in my whole thing with networking is, is you, you get what you give, right. And you, you don't want to count, count chips, right. So uh, for instance, when I got in there originally, I had, you know, five clients to my name. Um, when I started out, it was getting into just going into the business after hours, getting into a networking group. And I got into a CEO roundtable, and I got into all three things. And those three things, I just kept going, right? Even, even a year in, and it's not that the results come quickly. It's a year or two in and people get to know you and trust you and someone works with you and then they spread that you're, you know, doing great. And, and so it kind of helps your network grow. And, um, and those, and that was like in the beginning. Right. And so 
then as you, as the organizations grow and some other people on the team pick up some of those pieces of the network and fill those in, which we're still involved in those same things that we were involved in 20 some years ago, then you find other networks. And it, it's, it's not always that you're intentionally networking, right? Again, it's, um, I might join a tech or a Vistage business group or other CEO coaching or peer group. And inside those peer groups, you start networking. And, and you're, you're, again, it's, it's, you almost see networking as a second nature. You're, you're in a business, uh, business owner's peer group to learn from each other. So you're sharing financials and you're talking about your highs and your lows and challenges you're having. And in, in the process of doing that, you get to know each other so well that you're just inherently networking with each other. And so you may refer business to each other. You may, may become a client vendor relationship or may even be an acquisition merger type of relationship. And those, those have all worked for me over time. So I actually, uh, it's funny, we, um, our business operates uh, through the traction process, as I'm sure a lot of people are familiar with. Sure. Oh, yeah. And, and one of my traction uh, to-dos right now is to rethink my personal networking, because we realize that that's a lot of what drives us to working with, it's not just getting clients, but also getting good employees and getting yep. um, great vendor partners. So I'm in, I'm in the process right now of kind of reworking that for myself and figuring out where it makes sense to spend, spend the time. Oh, wow. I'm going to have to pick your brain on that a little bit because that's definitely something I'm doing as well. <laughs> I wanted to touch back on the, the peer groups. You know, I found one of the best resources in the relationships where I've invested my time are those kind of peer owner groups as well, where you're, you're talking about the wins and the losses and best practices. And, and you know, it's just been um, a gazillion pounds worth of value, I would say, and being in those types of groups and building those types of relationships for, for the long haul. It doesn't happen overnight. I mean, you have to establish trust, but once you've got that trust locked in, um, it's gold. It, it's pure gold. I, I totally agree. I was, uh, I, I have, I was in the uh, MMAC CEO roundtable for a number of years. I think I was probably in that group for eight to 10 years. And I got in the group when I was pretty young. I was definitely, I was in my twenties when I joined. And, um, and there's still a number of people that I know from, from back when I started in that group 20 years ago, who we still call each other and refer each other to business. I, I, in the last year, I, I have, I can think of at least one or two new clients that we got because someone from that group 20 years ago called me to refer business, right? It's, and you don't think of it like that, right? It's it, like, we're talking about it now. So you stop and you think, oh my gosh, you know, something that I did in a group that I was part of and really just got engaged with 20 years ago resulted in me getting work 20 years later. And it's crazy to think about that, but it's so cool, right? And it's just, again, it's just treating people right. And, and really just, I think a lot of networking though is how do, how do I show up at the network and add value for others? Yes. Not worrying about how it'll pay me off, pay, right? That doesn't matter. That. Yep, 100% agree with that. So let's go to a fun question now. If you could go back to your 20-year-old self, what would you tell yourself to do more of, less of, or differently with regards to your professional career? Oh, that's a great question. Um, well, I think that for me, I would tell myself to move faster, be less concerned, uh, and less worried, and um, just take bigger leaps in general. I never, I started the IT business in college. And so I never, uh, aside from um, a job at Subway and a great job that I loved in college at Wheel and Sprocket, 
I never actually had a real business job. Um, the IT company was my first real job. And so I never really worked at another you know, company to, to learn from. And so in the beginning, I moved a lot slower just because I was nervous that I was going to screw it up um, and, and you know, have to kind of start over. And, and I'm looking at back now, I wish I would have just moved a whole lot faster. So uh, that and I also get too deep in the weeds. So, uh, and I still love doing that. I'm a tech yeah. by nature. And I'm also, as we were talking about, I love networking with people. So I love people and I love technology. So I'm often getting too deep into account management on some, some projects and I'm getting too deep sure. into the engineering of certain things. Um, and I love both of those things. But sometimes when I get too far down the path, I realize that I, I shouldn't have gotten down there. And my team, thankfully, is smarter than me and I should have let them handle it. So, so there's a bunch of... Uh, stepping aside and moving quicker. Yep. Yep. I understand that hundred <laughs> percent. Dave, we've all heard of the six degrees of separation. Who would be the one person that you'd love to connect with? And do you think you can do it within the six degree? Oh, that's awesome. Um, you know, I think for me, uh, a person that I really love in business is Richard Branson. Mm-hmm. And I just see all the different companies he's grown to large sizes, right? He's got a collection of companies, all of them, or most of them are well known by us. And, you know, a lot of them even operate outside of this country. And I just, uh, I follow him a lot on social media. And I just think that, um, you know, he's also using a lot of his wealth that he's gained from running these companies, which he has tons of fun with, right? The marketing is totally fun. A lot of guerrilla marketing that he's doing, um, whether it's airlines or liquor or music or what have you. And he, and he uses a lot of the wealth for good, whether it's environmental good or social good. Um, and I just think, you know, from everything I've seen, he's just a great person. Uh, and I would, would love to somehow network with him uh, and learn more from him than just standing from afar. How would you start that journey in trying to connect with him? You know, I think for, for doing that, I would start looking at, the social impacts that he's making. Mm-hmm. And he's got a number of organizations and, and uh, nonprofits now that he and his kids have, and, his, and his wife have started. And I would look deeper into those organizations and find ways that I could give to them. Um, and, you know, again, not the money side. I mean, he's got plenty of money, but giving time and, and resources and impact and being involved. And I would guess that um, by jumping in to do the right thing, that over time, um, if I kept giving, I could could uh, somehow connect with him. Yeah. Yeah. There's, there's, there's just, that's an opportunity for sure. You find something that he's passionate about that is a foot and door approach. That makes sense. Um, I'm going to give you the opportunity to interview me now. What's something that you'd like to ask me? Well, Lori, so right now, um, as far as you've come and all this stuff that you've done, where are you finding your best networking time spent? Especially because, you know, as I just said, I'm starting to rework my <laughs> network. And I know you're kind of doing a little bit of that too, but where do you see your best networking um, coming from now? Oh man, you know, I'm evaluating that same, that same question myself, um, kind of assessing where it makes sense to invest my time. You know, I, I do have have FOMO because I like going to all the events and seeing all the people, you know, you've created relationships with them. Um, but it's not a, always a good use of time. So I, you know, and it, it depends on what are your goals, you know, what is the goal that you're trying to achieve? And that's one of the things that 
have been one of my biggest takeaways um, just by interviewing, you know, over 300 people on this topic is, you know, make sure that you're investing your time from building a relationship standpoint in alignment with the goals that you're trying to achieve. So, um, you know, we pursue the manufacturing, industrial manufacturing audience. And I realize, you know, that's, that's a space where I need to be investing my time and in getting involved in the organizations where there's manufacturers and, and be a resource and educate them on, you know, the benefits of digital marketing and best practices in that space to help them tell their story better. So um, I'm looking at a couple of different groups in, in that specific space. Yeah, that's great. I, I totally relate to you on the FOMO thing. That, that's, my, <laughs> that's my life. It's always like, you know, I love the events of all sizes. And even if I look back and I think, well, that doesn't really benefit me. It's still just fun to be a part of, right? And so- 100%. Yep. I, I totally, I got into so many things that I, I was almost like, I felt like three to four nights a week, I was at networking functions. Oh and yeah. So a couple <laughs> years ago, I pulled back a bit and I started to get out of them and ask some of the staff to step into them. And so now I'm at this weird spot where I've exited a lot of the former networking things that I was doing and even some of the business peer groups I've exited. So I have more time that I've had and I realized that I missed doing that. And I also think it was really beneficial for us uh, for the three companies. So now I'm trying to figure out what to do, but I totally relate to what you're saying and I appreciate the, the advice. Um, yeah, absolutely. There's, there's definitely lots of, there's always something going on, you know, in, in Milwaukee for sure. And I'm sure other markets as well, where you could attend a networking event you know, virtually or, or, you know, stuff's opening up in person now basically any hour, any day of the week <laughs> for the most part. You are correct. Yes. Um, You're right. Virtual has brought us more networking of, uh, options. Yeah. Which I, I've loved because I've been able to connect with people globally, which has been fascinating. Um, and many more opportunities presented themselves that were you know above and beyond the circle that was in the local community here. Yeah, uh, that's a good point. We're, we're actually in the process of discussing a potential acquisition um, with a company who is not in Wisconsin. Mm. And the whole reason for that um, discussion that's happening right now is because um, I was involved in a networking, uh, networking event that occurred uh, during the pandemic that I would have never ever done if, if for not the pandemic and for not having these virtual networking functions. So uh, yeah, you're totally right. Yeah, very cool. Um, any final word or advice you'd like to offer our listeners with regards to growing and supporting your network? I think just to reiterate that it's, it's all about giving as much as you can, right? It's, it's, you know, if you're going to get involved in a networking group or, a, a like a chamber of commerce organization or anything like that for networking, I think the big piece of it is, is not to worry about receiving right away. That'll come later. It might even come much later, but it could come big. And just focus on giving and being involved. And, um, it, you know, you'll look back over time and realize that it paid off. And I, I don't think that's ever failed me. I love that. I agree. I mean, giving first is, is definitely one of my golden rules of, of networking. <clears throat> Dave, um, if anyone is interested in getting in contact with you, what is the best way that they can reach you? Well, thanks, Lori. Uh, the easiest way is my email for No Small Magic. It's dave at nosmallmagic.com. Right. We will include that information in our show notes. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thank you for having me. It was an absolute pleasure.
Absolutely. All right. This wraps up our episode of Social Capital. A huge thank you to Dave Stam for taking the time to connect with us. As I mentioned before, if you haven't connected with me on LinkedIn, definitely do it. I share tons of high value marketing information as well as every single guest that has been on the Social Capital show. And if you don't connect with me, I guess we'll just connect and you can listen to the next episode next week. We'll see you soon. That's all for this episode of the Social Capital Podcast. Visit socialcapitalpodcast.com for show notes, more episodes, and to see who will be on the show next. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next episode.